Welcome to the show. I'm Shane Norton, a.k.a. The Sports Card Nobody, and this is another episode of the Sports Card Nobody podcast. Now, before I get into anything, there's a chance that you are watching this on YouTube and staring at this ugly mug. That's right. I have made my glorious Undertaker-like return to YouTube. I have been wanting to do this for quite some time. I actually started the show as a YouTube channel when I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do with content. Uh, turned it into the podcast and have been waiting for an opportunity to finally take the plunge back into the video portion of this as well. Big reason being it's cards. It's a visual format. Makes sense to have a channel where I can show off some things visually as well as the podcast. Now, that being said, there was one other huge reason that I decided to finally do this now, and that is the guest that I have on tonight's show. I've got the one, the only, the incredible Rob Gerard, the sports card therapist. Rob has an insanely, insanely awesome story in the hobby about the meeting his goals and getting to a, a really special point with the collecting that he does. And on top of all that, he has his own podcast, The Sports Card Therapist. He has his own YouTube channel as well. Rob is fantastic. Please go check him out. The interview we have on the backside of this intro is so much fun. We cover so much about the hobby, including all the incredible things that he's done, especially in this last year alone. There's a lot to learn from Rob. Learn from Rob. He's got some great stories. Super thrilled to have him on and super thankful that he pushed me to finally take this YouTube plunge. But a big apologies to everybody for once more having to stare at this thing. And for those of you that are listening to the podcast, fear not. The podcast is definitely going to be the driving factor. But if you want to see some stuff as well, feel free to pop over to YouTube. Now, before we get any and before we get into any of that, as I try to talk, um, as always, follow me at Sports Card Nobody Instagram at Sport Card Nobody on Twitter. Uh, if you are watching this on YouTube, please like and subscribe. And if you are listening to this in the podcast, leave a review, subscribe, do all those sorts of things. But please, if you are enjoying any of this, share this, share this with friends, share this with family, share this with anybody you think might care about anything I have to say here. Now, before I get to this really fantastic interview, there's uh, one little thing I want to cover here in the intro pertaining to last week. So last week, I took a little bit of a plunge and and put out my first ever question to the audience. I was really curious if I would get any responses. And really what I was asking was I was, I was asking for people to share their stories about what inspires them to collect or different cards that meant something to them as part of their collecting journey. I got a couple of responses that I want to share here quickly before we get to the interview. First and foremost, my guys, Tony and Oz, the Cousins Collectibles, they jumped on it first um, on their Cousins Collectibles Instagram. They shared a um, an awesome clip of Randall Cunningham, Philadelphia Eagles, doing his thing. Go check that out. And shared with that an incredible Randall Cunningham flawless number to 15 auto. It's a card from his non-playing days, but God, that thing is stunning and gorgeous and speaks to exactly a lot of what I'm talking about. It's not a rookie card. It's not even a card that came out during his playing days, but it is a piece of art that I am sure they are thrilled to own in their collection. Next up, Big John Collector's Cards. And a really awesome person on social media. Uh, follow him on Twitter and Instagram. But he shared five of his um, inspirational sports moments, which is really cool. And that includes the Cubs winning the World Series, 
Um, the bubble Jimmy Butler breakout from when um, the NBA uh, playoffs were taking place in the bubble and Jimmy Butler really had a phenomenal showing, although they fell short to my Lakers. So sorry about that one. The 96 Bulls title run that wrapped up the second three-peat. He also shared this, which is really cool. His first WrestleMania weekend that took place in Atlanta. How awesome is that? And then he shared any time the Bears beat the Packers. That did not happen this weekend, so I apologize. Big John Collector's cards. But thank you for sharing those stories. But there's one other one I actually want to I want to touch on. And this one came through through Twitter. This came from James Lumen, and there's a lot to it. So I don't want to I don't want to go into the everything that he shared. I really encourage you to go check him out on on um, Twitter first of all at James Lumen. He he is also on Instagram, but James shared some really actually in depth stories about things that he collects. He he shared um, different cards that meant something to him, collecting raw Jordans and why. I absolutely adored what James shared with me. He tagged me in all of the uh, the posts, and it it was long and in depth. And I really appreciate it. This is exactly what I was hoping for when I asked this question, because this is the type of stuff that I try to share this sort of deeper than just investment things, this why we collect. What is it that these cards mean to you? And James shared all of that. But at the back end of, of the post, he really touched on something that I, I, I want to mention. Uh, this is I'm going to read this kind of directly. My hobby journey hasn't been full of RPAs and autos. Majority of it's low end, but if you keep grinding, no matter the pace, just keep moving forward daily and build a few good friendships out of this hobby, good things are bound to happen. Another note, some of these card sales help me through my day-to-day struggle also. Having a child isn't cheap, and Lord, I can agree with that. Um, uh, Some of these sales have bought diapers, wipes, and baby food to help my family stay ahead. Incredible. Card collecting can mean so much to so many different people. And and James going in depth with the sort of personal touches about his collecting and his selling and, and just the transactions and, and everything that the the, uh, the hobby sort of pertains to is amazing. Thank you, James, for sharing that. Thank you for putting that out there on Twitter. That made, I mean, th- these three responses made asking that question just so awesome. I, I was thinking maybe I would get one. I got three just really heartfelt responses. And that really shows me that the audience is the type of folks that I can relate to. You know, collecting is amazing, but there's a reason why I collect more than just the money. It's the expression of my stories. It's being able to put a a part of myself out there. It's to build relationships with people, including my own children. You know, having my three and a half year old daughter come in and play with my my baseball cards as she calls them, even though I've got two Bret Hart cards behind me here. Um, the, the, uh, relationships that I've built through all the social media platforms, going out to different shows and meeting folks. It means so very much to me. So those responses really, really hit me exactly where I was hoping. Thank you to all of you. That is just so awesome. It makes me feel so proud to keep doing this. Um, all right. But with that said, the interview that I've got with Rob, with the sports car therapist on the back end of this is actually pretty long. So I'm going to quickly now just say thank you for listening. Stick around for the whole interview. Rob shares so much awesome stuff. Thrilled to have him on. I hope you enjoy it. All right. Welcome back to the show. Like I said in the intro, I am extremely ecstatic because joining me on the show today is Rob Gerard the sports card therapist, one of the best podcasts. I listen to it every single week. I'm not just blowing smoke, man. Rob, I cannot thank you enough for coming on the show and, and taking some time out of your day to talk with me about some cards, man. Thank you so much. 
Shane, 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 how you doing, man? Listen, it is a pleasure to be on your show. I appreciate the kind words, man. And and just to give them back to you, uh, you are you've definitely become uh, one of probably like the five or six podcasts that I listen to every single week as well. I don't know if it's the Connecticut that we have in our blood, yeah. Um, but it, it definitely goes beyond that, though. You know, I think it just goes beyond uh, your passion for uh, collecting and what it is you do. So, uh, so I appreciate you, man. It's actually uh, it's it, it's it's an honor to be on your pod. Well, thank you, man. Again, that's a two-way street, 100%. Um, I'm fortunate that I got to, you know, I, I found your podcast at some point and it immediately struck me as, you know, the kind of stuff that I that I sort of um, am attracted to when, you know, I'm consuming content. And I got to meet you a couple of times in person too, which is great. Got to meet you at Mohegan Sun, got to meet you at the National, which was a really incredible show, you know, for anybody who didn't get to make the National. There's a lot of recaps out there. I think you did one. I've done them. Uh, that was great. And getting to meet you and just say hi, especially at the end of that long day was, was really fantastic for you to take some time out of your day and just say, hi, man. I, you know, I really, really appreciate it. But, uh, listen, first thing, first time you've ever been on the show. And the first question I always got to ask is about the hobby journey, my friend. I mean, like I said, I am really inspired by the things that you do on your podcast and things you talk about, but tell me more about it, man. How did you get to this point in your hobby life, your hobby story? What is it? Yeah, man, I tell you, my story is very much like everyone else's, you know, I mean, I really don't think that people, you know, my age, I'm 39 right now. I don't think that the average person in their 30s just stumbles upon uh, sports cards for the first time and decides to jump into it. Right. For me, it is it's strictly a nostalgia thing. And, you know, so I could remember growing up, going to card stores. Uh, my dad would always bring me, um, you know, that was kind of the thing we do. You know, it's like my parents are divorced before I could even remember. So when my dad would take me on the weekends, you know, we would always go to the card store. We would always for, for my birthday. He wouldn't even give me cash. He'd give me a, he'd get me a gift certificate to the local card store. And we'd just just go in there and buy singles. And um, so, you know, mid nineties, I kind of slowly fell out of, of, you know, collecting cards, even though my passion for sports, you know, I've been doing my homework uh, this entire time because my passion for sports is still there. And, and so I get, I got back into the hobby. I want to say probably around 2013 i got back in for about six months or so but i didn't fully get in you know i just kind of like dipped mm. my toe in the water what it consisted of my time back in the hobby in 2013 was really just going on ebay and buying up lots of junk wax you know so i would buy like a 50 card lot of joe montana junk wax a 50 card lot of lawrence taylor junk wax i would do things like that because you know nostalgia you know they were all the cards i used to have that i could remember owning um you know i would buy a 50 card lot of the same exact card you know of like the joe montana 1991 pro set pro bowl card you know 50 of them boom and then i would put them all in my binders and because we all have that hoarder gene in us right if we're a collector yes, we're, we we're we're it's like half collector half hoarder so um so yeah you know i got back in for about six months and did that and f started buying up and filling up a bunch of binders with 90s junk wax and ended up sticking it under my bed and you know fast forward about six or seven years and covid hit and mm -hmm. i don't know what really planted the seed of thinking about sports cards like something must have 
happened or I must have heard something, but I could just remember one day saying, because I'm a big into podcasts, I love listening to podcasts, right? Um, whether if it's true crime podcasts or just anything. Um, so I can remember saying, you know what? I think I'm going to research. There's got to be sports card podcasts out there. There mm -hmm. must be at least one or two. So I started researching one and I stumbled upon a couple and I just completely jumped in i mean like i if i stuck my toe in in 2013 and 2020 i did a full-blown cannonball from the high diving board the olympic size diving board i was doing double flip <laughs> cannonballs in there so that's kind of where i'm at right now dude i love that and I, I especially love i mean you touch on two things that speak to me really really like personally is is a the nostalgia and and b the the sort of um family aspect of it right you know you talk about how this was like a bonding thing with your father um you know i am so hoping to have those sort of things with my own kids you know i talk about my kids all the time and just when my daughter comes in she wants to look at she always says my my baseball cards or my bret hart cards um and i love it man i, I let her you know take especially the slab ones just lay them all around and you know sort of building these little tiny you know, connections with my three and a half year old daughter that might stick, you know, who knows, you know, what that might become. And, you know, my son who's just turned one, um, you know, one, when he's a little bit bigger, I'm hoping for the same thing. So the nostalgia and that sort of like excuse to have, you know, a bond with my friends and family is, is such a driving factor for me in, in my hobby journey as well. So like I said, and that speaks volumes to me. Um, but I, right, so Let's let's briefly touch on a little bit of life outside of cards because uh, I mean, like we just talked about. I mean, you you have uh, two kids, right? Is that is that accurate? The yeah, man. And age? you know what? My my children are extremely similar to yours. You know, so uh, my daughter is uh, a little over two years old, and I just had a son two months ago. Yeah, so that's right. my daughter and my son are two years apart, with my daughter being the oldest. And and I tell you, my I am so wrapped around my daughter's finger. I mean, she <laughs> unbelievable. She is just she's just the love of my life, dude. It is unreal how much you can like love some other person you know i mean you spend so many i mean again we're similar ages so we we had kids around a similar time and I, I don't know if you had some of this feeling but like i had so much time in my life where i just felt like i'm like a selfish person where i'm just worried about i want to be able to go do this and do that and have this fun and do that and all of a sudden none of it matters man you know my my daughter has actually been fighting off a a, a minor cold these last couple of days she wakes up in the middle of the night upset and i go running in her room and like what can i do you know it's wild how much you can really just like put everything you have into another human being who's just trying to tear your house apart all the time. <laughs> but Hey man, congratulations on the second one though. That's, that really is fantastic. Um, so you got the kids, uh, you're a licensed psychotherapist. You talk about your Harley Davidson's all the time. You're a diehard Yankees fan. And, uh, you know, you're watching Sopranos all the time. How do you balance it, man? How does it work for you? How is it balancing this, this hobby life that we do that can consume so much of our time and all the rest of that? Yeah, man. Well, I'll tell you, you know, being a, being a licensed therapist, that's, you know, that's my day job. So that kind of goes without saying like, like the, you know, in my opinion, in my list of priorities, my priorities for me anyways, has to be number one family, number two employment, and then number three hobby, you know, so I need to make sure that 
my side of the street is taken um taken care of as far as family as far as work goes before i can even think about the hobby um so so that definitely goes without saying but you know i think when when you have kids you know slowly those things kind of you know go out the window like i i've been riding my motorcycle a heck of a lot less lately mm. um you know i know i don't see my friends nearly as much uh especially since getting back into the card hobby man you know especially since getting back into cards it's like um you know i'm going to shows uh, I think before I had my son, so once we were kind of up and running with my daughter and she was a year, 18 months old, she was a little bit easier to manage for my wife. So I could usually hit about two shows a month. But now that we have the second kid in the house, I told my wife I would keep it to one show a month, you know, so one Saturday a month. I'll be out of the house, you know, and um, so, yeah, you know, and life is just a, a, just a balancing act, man. And, right. and a lot of times, you know, um, you know, you know, I'm, I'm not going to try to get philosophical here, but, you know, some days it can feel like, you know, just being on a motorcycle, just cruising the back streets with the autumn leaves everywhere could just feel like everything is perfectly in balance, you know, and then other days it could feel like I'm trying to literally drag my Harley Davidson across a parking lot, like nothing feels like it's going right, you know, so I think, you know, just in general, whether if it's life, collecting, family, work, we need to have that balance. And and that's something I try to preach. You know, I try to preach, uh, uh, you know, I talk a lot about self-care on my podcast, mm -hmm. you know, um, just, you know, I have to be right if I want my collection to be right. That is a that is a really good way to put that, man, because it's it's, you know, it's often a, a joke that you hear when you're in this hobby is, is, you know, as much as we both are, where there's people in forums and Facebook groups or whatever it is, where they're saying things like, oh, man, if only my wife knew how much I was spending or, um, you know, all these male days are coming up. My wife's, you know, questioning everything that I'm getting, man, I, I can't do that. I can't. It's hard for me to wrap my head around that mentality because it, for me it's the same exact thing it's all about the balance you know um my wife could not care less about the cards that i that i buy you know but she knows like i you know she's in the loop and you know sometimes i miss out in a big auction or you know i get a card sniped from me and and she'll she'll let me complain about it to her you know she'll she'll definitely be that you know sounding board for me in the moment you know 10 o'clock at night when an auction ends and i miss it or whatever um but that balance is so, so very important, man. I, I Exactly right, man. Family first, the career, because that's a big part of keeping the family up and running and doing what you need to do. And then the hobbies and everything that comes after it. Um, so totally, totally resonates with me. Well, yeah. Um, man. And, and for me, like, you know, I think about, you know, for me, I need a hobby. I need cards, right? I, I truly do because, you know, I think about, you know, if life is like a pizza pie, right? And there's six slices there, right? We have a lot of slices that are, you know, there's family, there's friends, there's some kind of maybe religion or spiritual aspect, mm -hmm. you know, there's employment, there's all these things that it's like, yeah, I get enjoyment from. But at the end of the day, though, we do have the right to be selfish sometimes, right? Like, like you're, if you're trying to tell me I have to work 40 to 50 hours a week, come home, bring the kids here, bring the kids here, do this, do that. And I can't have any time for me. I can't have any time for me. That doesn't sound like balance. So I think as mm -hmm. long as uh, my collecting and my time in the hobby is not having a negative impact on my family or my work, then I think I'm doing things right. I think balance is there. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what you're talking about 
self-care, right? You know, finding these these things in our lives that that maybe isn't the pinnacle of what we need to truly be happy, but it is part of what builds that entire sphere of happiness, contentness, and, you know, getting some sort of fulfillment out of these 85 to 100 years we hopefully get on this planet, right? You know, it's, it's all about that balance and that self-care. And, and again, I, I am right there with you on that. Um, now, that being said, I do got to give you a slight warning. Speaking of balance, in about 21 minutes, there's an auction ending on eBay <laughs> that I might have to sneak away and try to win real quick. So, what, what, okay. The so, hobby never stops, even when you're recording. <laughs> listen, the hobby never stops. And it's funny you should say that because I have 31 minutes left on my timer because <laughs> right. I'm actually trying to get a, uh, I think it's an 06 Eli Manning exquisite um, card. So, um, and and you know what, because of me, we actually had a bit of a late start because of family stuff, you know, so we actually started probably about 20 minutes late. So I looked at my timer initially. I'm like, oh, this is going to be perfect. So this isn't going to interfere with it, but fast forward a half hour, guess what? It looks like we both have them. So listen, cheers and good luck to you on your, uh, on your uh, night. And well, and you know what, since this is obviously being recorded, mine is a, uh, it's a Bret Hart gold flash number to 10, uh, ringside select it's the gold flash. So it's not the the true gold, but, um, I have had trouble getting a lot of the Bret Hart cars that I want out of this set. Uh, so I'm hoping it's going to sell a little bit cheaper and we'll see there's 20 minutes and 20 and a half minutes left. We'll see how it goes, but uh, good luck to you as well, brother. Yeah. And, and you know what, there is a difference between the solid gold and the flash, right? The flash Mm -hmm. gold. And, and, and to me, I think it's a bit confusing. I feel like they should have maybe made the flash out of 15 or maybe, you Mm -hmm. know, it did something different because, because I think people can get stuck overpaying for, or golds when they're not sure exactly what it is, you know, and, uh, you know, with select being a relatively newer product, um, you know, I don't know, but that's just my two cents. I mean, it's, it's a really fair two cents. Um, it's, it feels like it's select. So for those that don't know, I mean, select is a, is a huge name that Panini puts out for all the different sports that they have. And WWE just had their, uh, their first year select come out. It's been a huge hit. People love it, but, Something about the set is that there are so many cards. And what, what Rob was just talking about is you have your true golds that came in the hobby that are numbered to 10. And then I think in the retail came the gold flashes, which is a little more of like a shimmer wave look to it, which is still numbered to 10. And people either love the fact that there's so many versions of all these cards because the chase just seems like it never ends. Or there's people who are just completely overwhelmed and, they, you know, good luck trying to collect, you know, super collect, you know, um, one particular person or player or uh, wrestler or whatever, because there's just so freaking many. I mean, the one of ones, you have the one of one in the ringside, one of one in the concourse, one of one in the mezzanine that comes in retail, the the black and gold one of ones. It's crazy how many one of ones there are in the set. It kind of gives me a shot personally, someone who doesn't spend a ton of money on cards, you know, as much as I can, I try to. So it gives me a shot to get some of these, which is nice. But, um, but it's an interesting set. You know, you could actually see behind me and this, this is one of the golds I was able to get the global icons insert, which is a really, really sharp looking card. Um, yeah. Um, but I, so I actually want to, I want to talk about your podcast a little bit. Okay. Um, so you, again, I, I listen to your podcast every single week. And something Appreciate that you that. did that I, I 
hundred. I mean, I appreciate what you're putting out, man. Again, it really, um, it is must listen for me, but, uh, something that is so insanely impressive to me is what happened for you in season two at the start of season two, you set yourself a goal. That goal that you put out into the universe, into the world, was that you wanted to acquire a $100,000 card. In May, you got that card. I mean, that's incredible to set such a, a, a target and to knock it out of the park, man. Tell me what that was like and how it felt when you did finally get that card in your possession. Oh, man, I tell you... um, yeah, it was it was definitely surreal. And, you know, it, it's it's funny you ask that because just today I was thinking about it and just today I was thinking about that card. And and there's so many emotions that go in that, you know, and I could probably talk for an hour on why it is I chose to do that, what it felt like, um, what regrets do I have and any of it, you know. But um, so I started to realize, I mean, the good thing is. Uh, you know, when I really got back in this hobby two to three years ago, um, I know of some people that they saw how high and how fast cards were going up. So they dumped some big money into the, into this hobby, like almost immediately because someone would buy a Kobe card for a thousand dollars. And then the following week they'd sell it for 1700, you know, it was just nuts. And then, and then there's multipliers on top of that based on how high the card was, right? That you're talking about. But anyways, so when I got back into this hobby, I did not take that approach and I'm glad I didn't because a lot of people that did take that approach have taken baths on these cards. I mean, like I have close friends that went out and dropped 30 K on a single card and just recently moved it for 11. Oh, that is brutal. And, th- and that's just one card, right? Like they've like like they've they've taken baths, multiple baths on multiple cards that they've owned, right? So it's it's so hard. And, and I get it. That's that's kind of what happens. That's but when I came in, the hoarder in me, because I feel like I had this hoarder gene, I could remember just just buying a ton of low-end cards. I was just buying a lot of low-end cards. I was having fun. It was really scratching that nostalgia itch. It felt really good. Um, but then as I became more educated on the hobby, I slowly and and then and then started a podcast, right? Because when I started my podcast, I wasn't I'm still not Mr. Know-it-all. I'm still learning just like you are, Shane, you know? And, um, but as I started learning more and as I'm starting the podcast, I started really introducing some of my life skills and some of the things I do in my day job. I started introducing that into the hobby and that's definitely setting goals for myself. You know, it's like setting goals, documenting goals, almost like I do with clients with a treatment plan. You know, if I sit down with a new client, we'll sit down, we'll develop a 30 day treatment plan, a six month treatment plan and a one year treatment plan. And that's not to say that we're going to hit all those goals, but at the very least by making, by making these goals and documenting them, we at least know what direction we're going in. So when I sat down for season, the beginning of season two, which was just January of 2022, January of this year, um, I said, you know what, I, I want to go for a hundred thousand dollar card. And w- that was really me challenging myself 
and 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 it wasn't just any hundred thousand dollar card at the time i didn't specify what it was but i knew what it was in my head but i didn't want to put it out there because i said first of all i don't want to like pump this card you know like i know i have a decent size audience i don't want to like pump mm -hmm. this card here and I, and I don't want someone to come to me knowing that all my material, my, my entire season two has been riding on this card and now they're trying to, you know, rake me over the coals for it kind of thing. So right. it was like, it was like a kind of a weird situation. I don't think I fully thought all the way through, but after about two months of really not finding this card anywhere, there were, so the card that I ended up getting is numbered out of 250 and there were two cards for sale on ebay one was going for three hundred thousand, and one was going for a million so obviously those were way overpriced and the, and the people just didn't want to sell them but they wanted to have it on there um but finally after about two months i put it out there and i said this is the card i'm looking for 2003 lebron james upper deck rookie auto um ultimate collection out of 250 and within That's like a, it's above your shoulder right on that top yes shelf? it is for those uh, watching on YouTube, he's got the card right here, which is an absolutely stunning card, by the way. It's a phenomenal, a phenomenal target. Thank you. Thank you. God, thank that is beautiful. I appreciate that, man. Thank you. So, so yeah, so I put it out there on the podcast and, uh, and I said, you know, I'm going to put it out in the universe. I'm going to, I'm going to fully put it out in the universe. And within days I was getting leads, but it seemed like they were all kind of the same one or two leads, right? Cause really mm. these cards don't pop up. These cards don't pop up. And if you think about where the hobby was six months ago, it was really starting to trend downward, right? It was starting to trend sure. downward after the huge spike of 2021 LeBron, especially has just been criminally down. Finally, knock on wood. It does seem like his prices have, have, you know, reached a ground floor and have been coming back up again. I mean, the fact that LeBron prices are down is insane to me, but regardless. So, um, so I was getting like the same two or three leads. And then one morning I woke up on a Sunday morning and I get a message and it was a screenshot and a link to a Facebook group. And he said, Hey, this guy just posted this. And it was the LeBron card and an asking price. And he said, willing to take partial trade. And I'm like, Oh my God, this is incredible. And, um, you know, really spent like the next five days, the next five days going back and forth with this guy, five full excruciating days. And, um, you know, I had to do make a lot of moves. I had to do things that I really didn't want to do, but I know for me what the ultimate goal was. Um, and I tell you the reason why I, I came to that conclusion with that goal of wanting a hundred thousand dollar card, especially a card of that magnitude is because, you know, I've had Josh Johnson from card ladder. He's one of the founders of card ladder. I've had him on my pod plenty of times before. Um, he, what he's talked about is how he bought the 2003 exquisite limited logos, which is. I have the John Stockton version of that card from the same nice. exact set, the 2003 exquisite collection, limited logos, but his was the LeBron James. And, and this, this set is the first ever RPA. So he had the LeBron of this card. So wow. 
so now it's about three years ago about three years ago he brought he bought the lebron version of this card and this is all public information he's talked about in multiple podcasts mm-hmm. so I, he won't mind me talking about figures but he paid 140 grand for it how insane is that? 140 grand for a single card right so but he paid 140k for it within about 18 months after the boom he sold it for 1.3 million that is that's the dream right <laughs> Holy and, and that's life-changing money you know so yeah big um, so you know i've always believed in lebron i've i've I, i'm a lebron stan i've always been you know when when he was on the Cavs, right. love the Cavs. when he moved to the heat um i'm not gonna say i became a heat fan but no matter where lebron is i'm a lebron fan i love lebron i think what he's been able to do over the course of his career i think we've all seen the memes and the numbers now he's he's been an nba player for longer than he hasn't been so I think he's been That's an NBA player. He he joined the league at 18 years old and he's been in the league for 19 years. It's like it's like what? You know, that and, is I unbelievable. Mean, <laughs> unbelievable. So so I believe in the player, I believe in the card. Um and and I tell you, you know, I I talk to some, you know, I talk to high-end dealers all the time and stuff and and we'll kind of message back and forth about stuff even if we aren't really talking deals and they're like mm. they're like, "Listen, this 52 mantle, if you want it, it's it's yours if you're willing to move the LeBron. And I'm like, can't do it. Sorry. Like, just like I, I truly believe and and hope, anyways, this is gonna be at least a half million dollar card one day. That's that's the goal. You and you gave up a um a 51 mantle, right? The true rookie is part of that deal. Am I yeah. remembering that correctly? Yeah, man. So, so I tell you when, when it comes to like leveling up and and consolidating, I think I've gone through many stages, right? I I think initially it was, it's, it it was truly just a hobby for me. You know, I could remember, um, standing on a chair in my kitchen. Um, Oh, Uh -oh. look at this. I actually propped this up behind me, which is the original. And this just fell. This is the original program from WrestleMania three. And uh, it actually just (laughs) fell behind me. I felt it just hit me in the back. Yeah. I was uh, watching it kind of creep down on you. Yeah. 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 (laughs) So, um, so that's going to come into play. The Hogan stuff's going to come into play later in the show. Everybody that's called a tease. Love it, man. Love it. Absolutely. (laughs) So, um, what I realized what, like, I remember standing on a chair and taking a picture of like, like, a hundred of my new LeBron raw cards. And then a picture of like my hundred Kobe raw cards that I had been buying over the last like six months off eBay for like 10 bucks or less. You know, I can remember just standing over there and just being so proud of all these raw cards I had, you know, and, and slowly over time I was thinking like, you know what? Like I'm not spending major money yet. You know, I'm not spending like, you know, I haven't spent 20 K yet in the hobby or anything like that. But you know, if I added it all up, I'm looking at probably like five, 10 grand now that I've spent over the last six months or a year Mm. on these cards that are basically like worthless. You know, it's like, I'm, I'm buying these dinky cards that do make me feel good, but I'm starting to spend a lot of money. Like I think it's almost like a habit, like eBay, Mm. you know, like all these packages coming in the mail. Like, so I started to kind of switch my thinking a little bit and say, you know what, instead of it just being a hobby, is there a way to maybe insert a little investment mentality into it? And I think that 
I think that most of us know that a $10 card will probably always remain a $10 card. Sure. Right. Yep. And and that that's what's been taught to me by 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 very smart people, by dealers that have been in the business forever and dealers that are only two years in but have a million dollar collection. Um, you know, a $10 card is always going to be a $10 card. Um, a, a $30 card for the most part is always going to be a $30 card. But when you start looking at, you know, a $500 card or a $3,000 card, those mm -hmm. cards, and I'm not going to say you can't lose money on those, right? I'm not saying everything's foolproof. Everything's a risk when it comes to cards, but when there's levels to this. So when you start talking about mid-end cards and high-end cards, those can become a bit more of an investment. And that's when you can start making some money. So what I started doing was taking all those $10 cards that I had and figuring out ways to turn those $10 cards, trade up and turn those into $100 cards. And then take those $100 cards and turn them into $300 cards. And I really did it by setting up at shows and utilizing Instagram, you know, and, and I've been saying from the start that the deals really happen in the Instagram stories, right? Because there are certain accounts that I follow that I know their, their inventory is constantly turning over. And they have no problem letting me trade up. And I have no problem paying a slight premium for that. So if I if they have a $500 card I want, I have no problem giving them $500 in cards, like maybe five cards that total $500 plus 100 right. cash on top of that or, or 75 cash on top of that. Because chances are they probably only paid $400 for that $500 card. But I sure. don't have the 500 cash to get that $500 card. So I'm going to pay a bit of a premium. You know, I'm going to pay an extra $75 over comps for that because I'm trading up. So that's how I've been able to really get rid of a lot of my low end stuff that just kind of felt stale, kind of felt like dead weight. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? So, right. Um, so it just kind of worked. So that, I mean, that was an incredible summary of all that and it leads perfectly into my next question which is a huge this question that i have here is a big reason i wanted you on here you know listening to your journey especially through season two and and both before and, and now beyond you know congratulations by the way first episode of season three just dropped uh you had a great a great uh sort of season finale in season two with your uh, wolf pack which i'm going to get to later are you um, doing are you doing seasons like because it doesn't feel like anyone else does seasons and for me i will be i wanted i wanted to kind of figure out a way how to you know how to really be able to reference certain eras of sure. my collecting and really my my collecting journey is documented through the podcast so i wanted right. i wanted to figure out a nice easy way to reference my you know, eras of my collecting journey and eras of my podcast. So season one, first 50 episodes, season two, mm -hmm. episode 51 to a hundred episodes, you know, so are you, are you planning on doing anything like that? Like definitely. So I, I definitely am. Um, so I'm still in season one and for me, I'm going to do it. Uh, it's going to come up in, uh, I think it's November that I'm going to hit one year and that's how I'm going to try to break my seasons down. So I think if I, 
it'll be close to 52 episodes a season, I believe. So yours is 50, but you also record uh, multiple times a week. Um, I'm still just weekly, but I, I think my goal is to kind of do it yearly. Uh, I mean, the fact that I'm coming up on a year is pretty, I don't know, shocking, to be honest. I, I can't believe that it's actually happening. Congrats on that, man. Unbelievable. Unbelievable, man. And and I don't know how you, and, and I know I'm kind of bearing this off because you were just about to gear up to ask me something. It's all good. But, um, we got two minutes before my auction ends, so we'll wait till that ends. Then I'll get back to the meat of the question. Perfect, so let's perfect. follow this train of thought. <laughs> yeah, man. Like, I don't know how you came across my uh, peripheral um, you know, how you came across my vision, but you know, I can remember coming across you. I don't know if I knew you were from Connecticut or not yet. I checked out an episode and I said, I really like this dude. You know, like I, I, I like his voice. He's easy to listen to. Um, you know, he, he seems genuine and I like the things he's talking about. You know, it was, it was, you were really just talking about collecting and what collecting's yeah. done for you. Um, you know, so that's kind of stuff that resonates with me. And, and I think a big part of it is you, the, the, just your, your recording quality in general sounds very good. You know, it's like, Thank because, <laughs> because like, you know, like when it comes to music, right? Like I could hear like a really great song, but if it's like recorded poorly and the sound quality sure. is poor, I don't even want to listen to it. You know what I mean? But I mean, who knows? You know, you might catch me listening to Britney Spears just because it, the, the sound <laughs> quality sounds so good. So it's like, so, so That's point excuse, being, it's huh? like you, you were done, you know, your, your sound quality is good. Your content is good. You know, I can follow your train of thought, you know, it's, so it's, uh, so it's all good, man. You know, so I, yeah, point being, I don't know how, how I found your podcast. I think yeah. it was probably when you had on, um, when you brought on uh, Scott DeMay, Scott. Yeah. I think, it was the when ECCX. You brought on I, Scott. think I think that is, cause I think that was also how I realized you were Connecticut based. Like, cause I think I had found your pod before I realized you were Connecticut based. Um, and it may have been when you did the actual um, Instagram live with, with Scott uh, before he did the first show. Um, all right. But that being said, we got five seconds, everybody. So let's see if I can finally get a, a W in my uh, eBay world because i have been taking l's left and right here we go i'm the top bidder let's see they're determining the winner please refresh the page what do you think did i get it i know I, I i just bid a lot i just bid too much money on this card there's no way i got beat last second on it i think you got beat oh come on with the pessimism no <laughs> i'll tell me. you why in a minute why i'm so pessimistic usually right, I'm let's not. see I won the auction. Bang. Yes, I got my first select. Uh, it's a gold flash, but that's all right. I love it. Great. I finally got, you a are the man. I got it live Congrat on the pod. That's amazing. <laughs> Congratulations. Listen, so uh, last you. night, last night I found this account and you know how like sometimes you'll find a random account and they're auctioning off like a ton of stuff and they don't have a ton of feedback. Yep. So you're like, you're like yeah. this, this entire auction is going to fly below the radar. I might be able to get a lot of this stuff really cheap. Um, sure. So I was doing that last night and on this, this auction was selling like 15 Eli Manning exquisite, like second year, third year patch autos, game use patch, all PSA graded. I'm like, Oh my God, like I'm going to completely have a brand new Eli collection. Yeah. And every single one I got beat out on. I have no idea how it just like, 
I, I thought for sure I was going to nail them all. So, so I don't know. I just, well, that, that's what it's been like for me lately, dude. I, I, I was kind of lamenting this fact in my last episode where it just seems like I can't, not only the I issue that I'm finally getting over, but the L's was just like piling up, man. It's like, I couldn't win a single auction on eBay, you know, probably the most important card in my finest collection, you know, personally, got listed with nothing but errors in the title. You know, Bret Hart was spelled wrong. Tops. I heard that wrong. in your last pod. Yeah. yeah. So I, I never even saw it and it got, it got swooped up before. Um, I actually found it because the guy, I knew the guy who bought it and he, he was like, dude, I feel bad even showing this to you, but and he, and listen, I'm happy for him. He's a good dude. He, he got a great deal on that. Uh, and maybe I'll be able to work out a deal with him in the future to, to get that card. But Man, it was just like I couldn't I couldn't seem to win anything. And then last night I was watching a card and somehow eating dinner, I missed the end of the auction. So finally got a W here live on the pod with a guest on that. That's you know, I'll take it. You gotta take the W's when you can get them. How how close okay. is your auction coming to ending? You got oh, uh, we still got some time, man. I got seven minutes left. All right. So I'm gonna ask this next question. And if you need to stop to to take care of that, you do that. But um, but yeah, so what you did with that with that LeBron card is super impressive and it's not just impressive because obviously there's a huge number right 100k was your goal and you got it i mean that is definitely a part of it but one of the most important aspects for that for me is that goal setting mentality the fact that you you, you put it out there and and you went after it and now something that i'm trying to do is start to figure out my own goal setting i've been trying to improve and sort of reshape um, my goal setting since I waded into this, into this hobby. And one of my biggest issues though, is feeling sort of like the things that I think I want to achieve aren't achievable. And let's just use what you, for example, you know, a hundred thousand dollar card, you know, I hear that. And to me, it's like, that is never going to be possible. But for someone that's setting goals the way you are and accomplishing things in this hobby, the way that you are, what advice would you give to someone like me that wants to shoot higher, that wants to start to figure out how to do what you're saying, the leveling up, the consolidation? What advice would you give? Well, you know, and, and I'm not a religious guy by any means. I'm definitely more spiritual. Um, but I love the saying that God will help you move mountains, but you better bring mm -hmm. the shovel. And to me, what that means is that anything is possible but you better be willing to do the work. So, um, you know, I, I, I truly, truly did a lot of work working up to those deals. You know, I could think there, there were some, well, first of all, I mean, having a platform, you know, kind of like you have a platform that never hurts, right? That to me, that's, that's, you know, like a hobby hack, you know, that's, mm. that's something that I have, people are listening. So there's ears listening. I have a bit of a platform, but the thing is, if you have an Instagram, if you have a Facebook, if you have a Twitter and those accounts are geared toward cards, guess what? You have a platform too. So what I would recommend is starting to put it out there, put your goals out there. Because one thing that I've really come to realize in this hobby is that the hobby is extremely supportive and wants to see others win. It's really bizarre. Like how, as long as you are not directly in my lane, I want to see you win. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like, unless you wanted the same exact LeBron card I was going after, you better believe I'm going to be cheering for you 100% of the way, <laughs> you know? So, um, I, you know, I believe in the law of attraction. I don't believe in it to the extent that these 
diehards do with the law of attraction, mm. you know, um, you know, cause it could get kind of hokey at times, you know, with the law of attraction. But I do truly believe that if you put something out into the universe, uh, you kind of can speak it into existence. You know, I believe in, in the spirituality aspect of that. I believe that by putting it out there, um, and, and really working toward it, you know, I could remember working and, and I could remember my inventory was about, probably i i reached a point right around january right it was right around january i had reached a point where my inventory in total between pc and inventory was around 50k right which is a lot of money right that's a lot of money but that's been over the course of like two years putting in like 500 here a grand here 500 here a grand here so i'm so my inventory was about 50,000 right so i started setting mm -hmm. up at shows that instantly helped me start leveling up and consolidating because people were going there they were buying my dollar cards they were buying my five dollar cards they were buying my ten dollar cards cards that have been sitting in my spare bedroom collecting dust um, cards that I would post on Instagram or Twitter, no one wanted, but you go to shows and people with all price range budgets will buy them. So mm. I go to a show and these guys walk up to me and they're like, I like some of the stuff you have. I'm like, thank you. Thank you. They go, listen, what's the lowest you can go for this? What's the lowest you can go for that? I'm like, ah, you know, um, and they said, listen, cash offer these six cards right here that you have in your case, Rob equal about 40k or i think it was like 38k they picked out like my jordan rookie bgs9 they picked out my lebron refractor tops chrome rookie like these the biggest cards i've ever owned you know like because sure. it took me it took me like a year to consolidate and level up to these six cards and now these freaking jerks are coming over to me at the show and they offered me 75 percent of comps for these cards but you know what it was cold hard cash right it was cold hard cash so i ended up selling these six cards that i worked so hard for that i mean i must have spent hundreds if not thousands of man hours on i took this risk and i moved them at 75 percent comps so i ended up getting 27k wow. from them right on the spot then from the rest of the show i made another 6k so really, I ended up leaving that show with 33K in my pocket, dude. You should have seen my pockets. They were bulging, dude, <laughs> right? So so what I did was I think I took about 5K, and I said to my wife, I'm like, listen, we're going to pay whatever bills we owe. Like, this is, I mean, who couldn't use 5K for bills right now, right? Like, Absolutely, right. Dude, 100%, like, okay, we're going to do this 5K for bills, blah, blah, blah. Then I said, you know what? My entire tagline is goats over prospecting. That's really mm -hmm. what I've talked about mostly on my podcast where, you know, I, I don't like to go with big risks. I like to stick with the goats, you know. I would much rather buy a Bill Russell and see that money be safe, but not sure. like double overnight than buy a Luca and watch his, you know, prices that could double or could get cut in half you know right. exactly up and down so so i said you know what i think i'm going to go for a risk i think i'm going to take a risk here and i bought a john morant national treasure rpa i have no business buying that card no business at all <laughs> but you know what 
like that's not even my wheelhouse like so that kind of goes against my collector's mentality but i said you know what i'm gonna take a risk here and and i was thinking about my lebron goal so i mm. bought the john morant national treasure rpa and then i went out and i bought a flawless jason tatum rpa cash both of those cash 27k in total boom gone for those two cards dude when you talk about like heart beating like wow but you know what's crazy and i didn't even realize this like i kind of i'd be lying if i said i didn't realize this but like i, I don't like i never want to chalk it up or make it sound like i'm like oh that's my timer for nope. uh for the thing nope. i never right. wanted yeah i never want to chalk it up um and, and make it sound like i think i'm great at flipping or i'm like the world's greatest flipper and i'm i'm done with this uh actual i'm not even gonna bid on this it's too high it's much higher than oh, it's too high already oh yeah, man. man didn't even so, get a chance at it huh you know <laughs> so but what happened was i think it was a bit of lady luck on my side as well because sure. i bought those cards during a lull of the nba season and it was right after the all-star break things had kind of cooled off the super bowl just happened like everyone's kind of like you know march madness time and i buy these cards and they're obviously probably the two hottest players in basketball so right. i got a good deal on them because i paid straight cash for them and i wasn't trying to trade up into them um so within six to eight weeks i sold those and doubled my money on those cards so that's really what catapulted me into being able to get that lebron it was like it was taking the risk at selling what i had for 75 percent comps and then being so confident in myself to do the next right move that i would rather take 75 percent cash and then hmm. put it into something new you know what i mean like like right. there's guys that i know in this hobby that that they they'll have like a fifty thousand dollar collection or even a, say a twenty thousand dollar collection they'll have a twenty thousand dollar collection and they they go in these facebook groups or on instagram and they say hey i'm selling my entire collection and that's like music to a lot of people's ears right Big like yeah. like, like if, if you hear someone selling their their whole collection you're like i wonder what they have i bet i could get some deals so yep. so i'm thinking of this one specific guy i'm not going to call him out he's a great guy he's he's becoming a great friend of mine he sets up locally in connecticut massachusetts i'll call him joe that's not his name um so joe i could remember last year his collection was really heavy on like shay alexander gill or whatever Oof. that guy's name is he's a yeah, basketball shay player gill just alexander yep exactly he, he he was really heavy on him and he had a ton of luca like um revolution rainbows mm. you know just like like a ton of that sure. you know and he was like and and i could remember meeting him at a trade night and joe was like yeah i'm really high on these guys i think they're gonna do well and and all of a sudden, one day I see that he's promoting that he's selling his collection. So he sold his entire collection, got like 25K for his entire collection, then literally turned around the next day, went back into those same Facebook groups, went back onto that same Instagram profile and said, I'm buying collections. Send me your collection. Hmm. I'm buying collections. And he told me he ended up flying out to California. He flew out to California to look at a collection 
literally flew back the same day, went out there, bought it, flew back the same day. And he wow. was much happier with the collection he had. And now let me tell you something. Now he, he, his collection is probably about 200 K. Wow. Because of the moves. That's he's incredible. Making. So, so he, he bailed on something that wasn't working out, took all that cash and then, and then just took it in a different direction. Yeah. That's incredible. Wow. Yeah. And, and listen, at the end of the day, man, and, and I know we're talking a lot about like, you know, selling cards and like flipping Mm -hmm. or or this and that, but, but the thing is, I know for me, um, I don't have a money tree out back. Right. So my tastes are always changing. You know, when, when 2022 prism came out, you know, and I was seeing all these, um, you know, Hulk Hogan's and these, Mm. and, and I'm not a, I'm not a huge fan of collecting the rainbows. I'm not a huge fan of these, of these, card manufacturers like panini trying to manufacture rarity by making them at a 49 out of 99 at a 149 at a one like to me it's so gimmicky but like so i've always really just stayed away from that like with the basketball with any of the major sports like i really stay away from buying anything that's numbered really unless it's flawless or national treasure but because I'm such a Hulkamaniac, when Prism dropped in 2022, I started buying up all the Hogans. I tried to st- yeah. buy up all the Andre <laughs> the Giants. and um, But the thing is, I had to start selling some stuff. And that's sure. the thing that I think when you listen to some of these collectors podcasts, like they don't talk about. Because I think like we want to be identified as collector first so much, right? Because we feel like people will put us up on a pedestal or or just people will give us a, a, a better level of respect if we looked at as a collector we're pure hmm. right but it's it's <laughs> it's rarely talked about how we sell these cards and how we move these cards you know what i mean because like to buy those hogans to buy those andres i had to move cards to buy those so now because i'm talking about these deals which by the way people love hearing about those deals and that was one thing that i started to realize my podcast almost doubled early on like within a matter of a month or two when i was really putting these details of these um, deals out i mean i was i could remember putting together laying in bed and putting together a photo collage of a hogan 82 all-star that i just won on ebay so i remember putting the whole story on a single like i made it almost like a meme but it was a photo Mm. collage so i put i put one this bid for eleven hundred dollars scrambled to find eleven hundred (laughs) dollars for this for this card that i just won So I ended up selling three LeBron rookies and I, I posted the pictures of the three LeBron rookies in the photo collage. I put sold this for 300, sold this for 350, sold this for 500. So, you know, when I was starting to do that, like people love hearing that stuff. And I know they do because I exactly. love hearing it. I love hearing the details of the deal because it makes me better when it comes to negotiating. It makes me better when and, and not to say that I want to get over on anyone but i want to make sure i'm doing it right yeah i mean nobody wants to do any of this right go in and and do it wrong and and overpay for things you know nobody wants to go in and pay for something you know uh day one that you spent you know 100 bucks on and it's 50 bucks the next day i mean that's obviously we all want to be educated and do the best we can and and content like that like what you're doing where people are willing to be more transparent it helps. I mean, I think it helps put things into perspective for folks. 
uh, and I, I, I've told this story a bunch, but to, you know, to be, you know, um, you know, to sort of repeat myself on, on the show for those that listen, the big reason I started my podcast and what was actually a YouTube channel, which is now relaunching thanks to you pushing me to do it. I actually forgot to mention that, but this is going to go on YouTube because of your advice. No, but, um, listen, man, listen, and, and, and I'm glad that you did it, man. And, and I've heard you talk about it. I know you had, mm. you were spending a lot of time doing like an actual YouTube show. And then you said, you yeah. know what, dude, I'm just going to stick to the podcast. But, but talking to right. you, what I had said was, you know, within about, you know, I've only been on YouTube now, I think posting my YouTube um, podcast version. And really it's all I'm doing is posting like this, like us talking now. Mm-hmm. But um, yep. I definitely came close to doubling my audience within a few months just by because there's there's an entire mass of people out there that do not listen to podcasts at all but all yeah, they do time. is consume youtube and and, mm-hmm. and arguably the youtube consumers far outnumber podcast consumers for sure for sure and not to mention i mean it's cards right it's, it's such a visual a visual thing that we do you know i getting to look at these cards it, i can't explain to somebody why i love you know i love my numbered shiny stuff that you hate so much <laughs> um it's hard to explain that but if you can show it and people you know i this is why i like it look the way it pops for me you know so the visual nature of what we do kind of lends itself to youtube so much more and that's why i started with the youtube channel originally you know i i did that i was just biting off more than i could chew trying to do a different type of show um and i think that just kind of keeping the, the podcast format is going to help me maintain the youtube the same way i maintain the podcast but um but uh you actually just touched on a lot of stuff i i i want to follow up on because you're talking about how um you know we collect you're talking about your hogan stuff um you obviously have inventory you go to you go to shows and you're you're constantly moving stuff you know you're 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 buying you talk about that a lot you're always buying somebody comes to your your table you want to look at whatever they've got and see if there's a deal to be made so your inventory is probably constantly in some sort of a rotation but how do you separate your your inventory versus your pc and is there a difference or is everything your inventory you know how how do you manage that i mean I, i think that's a great question man um you know, I, I think in this hobby, unless it's a card that has so much sentimental value, like it was passed down from your grandfather to your father to you, mm. um, unless it has such sentimental value like that, I think that everything probably has a price tag. And I hate to even put it like that, right? Like, like I know what I want my LeBron card I talked about to hopefully get to. If someone sure. came and offered me that money right now, of course I would move it. If someone came to me and offered me triple what I triple the value for anything in my case, then yeah, I would absolutely, um, you know, probably take it. So, but there's a caveat to that, right? So, um, I've talked a lot about how the more I consolidate and the more I level up, the more I realize like, wow, my inventory is kind of shrinking because I think initially it really started out where it was like, okay, you know, this is a hundred percent PC, everything's Mm. PC. Like, and I even said, so, you know, um, I just released episode one Oh one of my podcast, 101 episodes. I could remember on episode one. I still remember to this day saying, I can't ever see myself selling a card. 
I can't ever see myself <laughs> selling a card. I, I could remember saying that you can go back episode one. I can never see myself selling a card. However, as I started going to more card shows, as I became friendly with more dealers that like looked like me, looked like you, that were our age, you know, that just weren't like old and grumpy and stuff, you know, they were like, yeah, no, nah, man, it's awesome setting up. And I can remember setting up at my first card show. I priced everything high because I really didn't want to move anything. And guess what? I only made a single $30 sale. Um <laughs> And my second show, my second show actually did like a grand in sales. I was shocked at that. I had repriced everything, shocked at that. But I was amazed at the cards that came up to my table that I ended up buying from people. So, so it went from like hundred percent PC. Then it was like, yeah, maybe now it's more 50, 50. Um, and then before you know it, it got down to where it was like, it's 80% inventory, only 20% PC kind of thing. You know what I mean? Um, and, and, and it, it kind of fluctuates, but I think the more I level up though, that's a thing. The more I level up and the more I consolidate, the less inventory I do have. And I mean, that's a good problem to have, I guess. But, um, you know, so you go to a show and yeah, you're going to probably see all of my stuff, my PC mm. stuff, everything. You're going to see my LeBron yep. in there but it's going to be priced high. You're going to see, uh, you know, my Hogan PMG, which is something I never want to move, but guess what? It's going to be priced high. You know, uh, most of my stuff in the case, though, is usually priced right at comps, um, current comps, you know, but the stuff that I'm high on is the stuff I'm high on. And I think we all have a right. If, if we're trying to move our cards, we all have a right to be high on our cards. Okay. Um, I will say to people, I'll say they'll say how much for this and I'll say straight up I'm high on it then I'll tell them the price like like you have every right to be high on your um card like who says that the guy who sold his car the same card as you have in Ohio for a hundred dollars but but the last comp before that was 250 like that guy could have been desperate for money so who's to say you have to match that you could just say hey I'm high on it or I believe in this card long term or this is the off season so of course the comps are going to be down I'm yeah. high on it it's when someone tries to I think misinform and say, mm -hmm. well, the last comp was 240 and so I'm only asking 220 and then you look up and you're like Actually, the last comp was a hundred, you know, like, so as long as you're not trying to, I'll be straight up and tell you if I'm high on a card and we, we all have a right to be high on our cards. So when people say like, oh, I went to national and everyone was high on their cards, it's like, okay, well, that's just where the hobby's at right now. I'm not going right, to complain about right. that. I can go on eBay and win an auction. You can probably go on eBay and get cards for cheaper than you will find at any card show in person. But you never know. You could go to right. a card show and there could be a very motivated dealer and you can get cards at 75% comps just like those guys mm -hmm. got from me. That's why it's important for me to go to shows, for me right. to be involved, for me participation is required. Mm. I love that. That is such a fantastic way to put it because I, I, I've preached that quite a bit on, on my on my show where I, I really am so big on, I mean, yes, eBay is phenomenal. It's one of the best possible uh, tools that you can have if you're really trying to participate in this hobby every day. Right. But there, it, it, it just can't be understated how important it is to get out and talk to people 
get out and see what is actually happening on the floor. And I don't get out there nearly as much as I, as I want to. And that's something that I've been trying to push myself to do. And it's, it's become way better in this last year than it was the years before. Uh, and I adore how much I've learned and experienced going to the national, going to the Mohegan sun, going to the, uh, the Plainville show and just getting out and chatting with people. It, it changes the whole, the whole game and not just from trying to figure out the cards you want to buy, but the relationships that you can build and the, the enjoyment that you can get out of it. Participation required is a perfect, perfect way to put that. And I could not agree more. Um, all right. So one other thing I want to touch on before we get into our top five, and this is going to kind of lead right into that, my friend, you are a mantle and a Hogan guy, right? I hear you talk a lot about that. And obviously you've talked about Hogan here quite a bit. Uh, what is it about those two guys? You know, I think it just goes back to my goats over prospecting, you know, I don't get me wrong. I love rooting for you know the young guys the rookies um you know anything like that um but you know it's just something about goats it's something about the greatest of all time you know it's to me they're 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 heroes and especially if it's something that's nostalgic so to me hulk hogan is the greatest wrestler of all time and i don't mean fundamentally you know he he wasn't he was no bret hart he was no mr nope. perfect Right. He was, you know, but mm -hmm. overall, just everything, he was the complete package. And to me, he was the greatest of all time for me. When I look back at um, I never saw Mickey Mantle play, but I know the impact that he had on the game. I know how much Mickey Mantle meant to my father, to my mm. uncles and to the Yankees organization. To me, Mickey Mantle. He, he's he's absolutely one of the goats so when i say goats over prospecting i i really live by that you know so at the top of my pc pyramid it's mickey mantle and hulk hogan uh so first and foremost 100 percent right on on hogan i i've had a lot of debates about this and there's something i'm trying to do in the background that might be still a couple months away where i'm going to do a really big wrestling related thing um trying to figure out like the best of all time just for fun whatever but um, I mean, top five Hogan. list. You picked Hogan. Yeah, yeah, the 100% Hogan is is my number one. I give him the edge over Bret Hart because of the um, if I'm trying to be objective, right? Nine or 10 times out of 10, I'm taking Bret Hart. I'll watch a Bret Hart match. I'll, you know, whatever Bret Hart all day, every day. But you still got to respect the, you know, Babe Ruth is the greatest baseball player of all time. I'm a Dodgers fan. You know, I, I couldn't really care less about the Yankees organization. I mean, I do you know, respect the hell out of what they've done for baseball. Um, but Babe Ruth is the guy, you know, I mean, that's you start there. Then you talk about some of the other guys, you know, that are in that conversation. Um, you know, give me Sandy Koufax, but I'm not not foolish. Hogan's the guy, you know, Hogan. I mean, he built he built the the industry um twice basically I, I talk about it all the time i mean hulkamania when we when we were kids man i don't remember not being a hulkamaniac you know i was born into it i don't you know i don't remember life before he was Thunderlips and, and rocky you know he was just he was just the dude and then fast forward to the late 90s when he does the nwo thing and completely revolutionizes everything again listen man brett's my guy he didn't do what hogan did he just didn't um but, you know, so if somebody ever thinks it's it's Ric Flair or whatever, we can have that debate. But I, I, I'm full, fully in agreement with you. But that's perfect because that leads into the top five that I am excited to do 
with you. So every week I do a top five. It started with the jersey numbers. It's kind of evolved. And it's been a lot of fun. I really enjoy doing this every single week. And when I have guests on, I try to do it related to the guests. I mean, you've been sharing phenomenal Hogan stuff that you've been buying. You just talked about how you even finally got suckered into the, uh, the, the numbered stuff, which is amazing. Welcome to the team. The shiny numbered stuff is the best. Thank you. Um, and this was actually your suggestion to do a top five must have Hogan cards for collectors. Now, the way I, I typically do this is I'll go first so that you can go last. You can get the final word on what it is, but I also am going to throw one minor twist on my top five. I'm going to let you handle the expert side. I'm actually going to go a little more offbeat and I've got my top five unique, weird, terrible Hogan cards worth looking at. That's the, that. uh, that's the way I want to go. So let's do, let's kick off into the top five. I will go first. Like I said, and you get the final word with your number one. But my number five, which I'm going to do is the uh, offbeat path, is the 1989 Bubblegum Superstars of Wrestling card. Now, this card has Hogan with the, um, he's from No Holds Barred. He's got the ripped t-shirt on. He's got a bunch of kids around him and he's looking off, you know, off camera like some superstar with all these kids around him. The card is phenomenal. If you haven't seen it, definitely go look up the 1989 Bubblegum Superstars of Wrestling, Hulk Hogan starring as Rip from No Holds Barred. And one of the reasons I actually wanted to pick this card too is Tommy Lister played Zeus in that movie. Again, this is one of those things, I don't remember not seeing this movie. I grew up with this movie and Zeus to me was like the ultimate supervillain when I was a kid. And uh, I actually got to work with Tommy Lister once. Um this was, you know, not, this, I don't know, maybe eight years ago, five years ago, whatever it was, he came in, uh, you know, unfortunately he passed in 2020, but one of the nicest dudes I ever got to work with. So much fun, so kind hearted. And, you know, when you, when you have this picture in your head, like he's Zeus and he's Debo from Friday, you know, that's the, the most famous role that he had, you know, you got knocked the blank out. Um, and then you meet somebody and realize, wow, this dude's like the biggest teddy bear. And I'm so glad that I got to share that with him. So that's part of the reason I picked that card as well. But the 1989 Bubblegum Superstars of Wrestling, please go look that up. But what do you got, man? What's your number five top card? So I, number I, five, I you know, number five for me is kind of like a wild card. And um, so I think number five can really go in any direction that the listener maybe um, wants to bring it in. So this, mm. this one I'm almost given as a freebie, but I'm just going to hold up this one because it's an iconic image of him um from the 2015 tops chrome set and it and i mm, have the 2015 yes. uh, the pulsar refractor this is numbered out of 75 uh just an iconic image from him you know being in this set so uh so i'll go with that for number number five phenomenal car tearing off tearing off the uh the, the yellow tank top i mean that i don't know if there's a more iconic Hogan pose than, than just that classic, just ripping it right open, wearing the red and the yellow. The the autograph on that is is just God. That's a banger banger card. I was uh, I was fortunate to get a version of that card at the national through a big trade that I made. Mine was the uh, the atomic refractor PSA ten. Nice. Uh, oh. The only it's so pretty. God, it it pops too. Um, it's the only Hogan card that I have in my collection currently, and I traded. I don't know. It was like seven cards. I, I've shared the story, but that was one of my, I guess, leveling up consolidation moves that I made. But I gave up a lot of my finest stuff, which is my favorite set to collect because I needed to have a the go. I needed to have something 
in my collection. Great card, man. I love that choice. Uh, all right, number four. My number four off the you know off the beaten path Hulk Hogan cards here. Sticking with his movies, his films, his his little Hollywood career that he had, especially when I was a kid. This one's a little bit of a cheat because it's a uh, it's a phone card. It's a Japanese telephone card. 1991 Suburban Commando phone card. Uh, again, a I saw that movie in the theater as a kid. Loved it. Probably. F- really terrible movie i don't even, i just remember loving it as a kid uh and the car and the card has hogan dressed in the suburban commando outfit next to christopher lloyd who's you know much smaller than him with his gray suit on they're just kind of standing there all super cheesy oh man i could eat that card up it's so it is so awesome nice nice all right so for number four um it can be any variation of it but i'm gonna go with the 2022 Mm. prism right here i just decided to go with uh you know the the orange out of 99 because it's kind of like a color match you know so i just decided to go with that uh but really any any color any card it could be the base card for all i care but i think you know this prism um product is going to go down and 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 really history as far as wrestling cards goes um you know it being the first release first prism and so mm-hmm. i just decided to go with this and which is crazy because i'm going with two modern cards so far but ah, you know what man the, the modern shiny stuff dude sign me up you're right you're absolutely right man prism had a weird a weird release i mean the hype was through the roof so the prices were through the roof then it's all come you know, the boxes especially come crashing down. I think they started at like 800. They, they got up, I think, close to 1600. Now you can get them for like 400. So the it's been a wild fluctuation, but it's still first year prism. It is still one of the greatest checklists ever put together for wrestling. And that card right there, again, it has Hogan doing the classic ripping open the shirt. It's a slightly different angle than the 2015. It pops the design. Listen, people seem to love or hate prism designs. But it, it pops to me. It screams. The color match is there. It's a great choice. And again, I'm I'm team shiny, uh, shiny, low numbered stuff. So I, I, I adore that card. Another great choice. Uh, all right. Number three for me, sticking with the uh, the odd, the odd cards. This one, again, is a slight cheat because this one is actually a sticker. I went with the 1985 top sticker where Hogan is basically giving the thumbs up in front of the Washington Monument. <laughs> I don't like it's so hokey. It's the same picture that every one of us has taken when we've gone to Washington D.C. to you know in front of the uh, the Washington Monument, and it's just it's just like a tourist card of Hulk Hogan just just going around the country. I don't know. It's so corny. Again, I I love it. Go look that one up. The '85 top stickers, the Washington Monument photo is a lot of fun. What do you got for number three? All right, number three. I'm gonna have to go with the '85 mm. tops pack pullable first rookie coming from hogan first pack pullable hulk hogan wwf release 1985 tops you can go with card number one which is the yellow or you which is the color match right first ever color match i guess or you can go with card number 16 which is the blue so uh yeah that's definitely number three for me yeah, I mean, probably the first parallel as well, right? I mean, it's a very similar photo. They're slightly different. We've got the yellow background and the blue background. Um, I I actually almost, there was someone selling those. When I first got to the National, there was someone selling those that were pretty low grade, I think, in an SGC case. And I almost, I had almost pulled the trigger on it. That's a card that's that's like attainable. I, I have to get one of those in my collection at, 
one of these days. It's it's a really classic, classic looking car. And you're right, it was his first tops, so it's it's a, a pretty um, you know, pivotal card in, in his collection. So phenomenal. Love it. Gorgeous. And you had one of them, was one of those autographed? Yep. Or were they both? Okay. Yep, yep. He, I had number one, the yellow that was autoed. Yeah, there it is. So yep, he's holding up both, and the yellow one is autographed. Great choice. All right. Number two for me, I am finally getting back to uh, an actual real card. I don't know what the deal with this card is, but it's amazing. The 1985 Tops Wrong Kind of Music card. This is oh. a, it's a card with two photos of him. The first one at the top is him holding a boom box with a boxing glove. And the picture below is him punching through the boom box for reasons. Because even when you read the back of the card, it says... Hogan must have not liked the song that was playing today, exclamation point. <laughs> Trying to wrap my head around what was the photo shoot story there is so wild and off the wall. And, and again, cheesy and corny. Just so much fun. I, I, the, I adore that card. I love the wrong kind of music card for sure. Um, so for number two, card number two, I'm going to have to go with the 2013 mm. Upper Deck Employee Exclusive numbered out of 125 hulk hogan precious metal gem p m g absolute stunner of a card and those those exclusives it was like 250 is that right 125 125 god that and there's only between beckett and psa there's only 32 graded and wow not just in like a 10, right? Just total. Grade. No, in total. All grades, wow. all grades between Beckett and PSA, only 32 graded. It's such a wild story about that one because that that was like a bonus given away to the to the employees, right? And the set included, I think um, Tyson was in it, maybe. Tyson, Tiger? Michael Phelps. Phelps, okay. Was Woods in it? Tiger Woods, Rory wow. McIlroy. And just as a as a bonus i mean to think about the amount of people that probably were like i mean this is cool and then did god knows what with it <laughs> you know i mean you know because I, I work in an industry where uh we uh we work with sports quite a bit and it's funny how many people that i work with that actually don't like sports at all and you don't have to like sports but i bet it's similar you know people who might work at a card company don't necessarily care about that they probably just have a skill that helps you know sell that product and it's just wild to think what could have happened to some of those for there only to be that many graded. But I think you said this too. Uh, somebody had said to you, if you're going to try to be a legitimate Hulk Hogan um, collector, that that is one that you got to get. So congrats on that. That's a huge, huge get and a beautiful. beautiful and, and that, thank you, man. And that is one of those other goals that I set out and, and I kind of put out into the universe. You know, I had said, you know, I think I want to be, I would love to be considered a top 10 Hulk Hogan collector in the world. And there's a lot of Hulk Hogan collectors. So, sure. you know, I, I say that knowing the enormity of that statement. And um, and I had a couple people say, well, do you have a PMG? And it was like, <laughs> challenge accepted. Yeah. Good for you, man. I, I love the way you crush your goals, dude. That is That is great. All right. So my number one off the wall, odd cards that Hulk Hogan has had through his decades of being Hulk Hogan. The 2012 Leaf National Exclusive card. So this card has Hogan with like a black bandana. He's got his chin between his hands. And it looks like he might be laying down on his stomach. And there's just like yellow 
chrysanthemums or some sort of flowers just surrounding him. I swear to God, I see this and it looks like what, like when my daughter's a preteen and if she's trying to be creative, might go out and take that same exact photo. Again, like the wrong kind of music. I don't know what was going on with the photo shoot creativity that day, but it is a hilarious card. And side note, uh, I talk a lot about my buddy, uh, Justin suplexes and slap shots. I was sharing some of these cards as I was looking them up and he saw that. I was like, dude, I'm buying that right now for like four bucks on eBay. You can go get that, that 2012 national exclusive card. And it is something to behold. Love it. I love it. What's the number one? What do you got? Number one. I don't think this comes as any surprise. I think it has to be the 1982 wrestling all-stars series a card. Number two, Hulk Hogan. This, by many, is what is considered to be his true rookie. His true rookie. It was not pack pullable. You had to send away and order it out of a magazine. The rumors are that there were between 1,500 and 2,000 of these printed. Um, There's not nearly that many graded. So no one really knows how many are out there. Plus, when you factor in the fact that, you know, people are cracking out, trying to get higher grades or cracking out, resubmitting, cracking out, getting it autographed like this one, resubmitting. Mm -hmm. No one's sending in their PSA or their BGS labs to get it taken out of the pop count. So the pop counts don't always tell, you know, the true story, you know, so. Yeah, that's so that that set is widely considered, and there's no really no debate. It's the 52 tops of wrestling. It's the 86 Fleer of wrestling. It is the iconic set for wrestling collectors. It has a phenomenal checklist. So many legends. Um, it's unbelievable. And, and what people have done with the autographs. I mean, some of the guys on on Twitter that are really putting together incredible, incredible, almost full sets of all autographs. That is the set to have, and you're right. That, there was no no shock that that's the one. But what is awesome is every one of those cards is iconic and is a, a huge card to get if you want to be a Hulk Hogan collector, and you have every single one of those. You held up every one of those. That is fantastic, man. Congratulations on that. I love that set. I love what you're doing. Great stuff, dude. But listen, I'm running out of time with you here, so I want to let you get going. Um, Rob, it, this went is, you know, way better than I even thought it would be when I finally got you on the pod. Thanks so much for coming by. Please, you know, first tell people where they can find you, man. Where, where can they come get all this wisdom from you? Yeah. You know, I think, uh, regardless if it's on Instagram, Twitter, or just Google sports card therapist and, uh, you know, and you'll, I'll pop up, you'll see me and hopefully, um, you know, hopefully we could do something like this again soon shane because you're doing an incredible job man keep it up thank you man you you'll have an open invitation anytime you want to come on anytime you think there's something worth talking about please reach out man but once again my friend thank you so much all right that was rob gerard the sports card therapist i i hope you guys loved that interview nearly as much as i enjoyed having it rob is a phenomenal person a phenomenal collector smart dude making moves not afraid to put goals out there And I hope that all of you are doing that as well. And in fact, if anybody's still sticking around for how long this episode is, that's what I want to ask this week. Do you have any goals that you're hoping to accomplish this year in the hobby or before the year ends or whenever? 
What kind of goals are you looking for? Because I'll put something out there right now. I, I've been working on this 2020 finest set for a long time now. I continue to keep building or hope to continue building that out. And I hope to keep building out my Bret Hart collection. Those are my main goals. But I'll tell you what, the goal that really means the most to me that I've been doing all year long that I'm going to continue to do is keep building relationships, keep reaching out to complete strangers, and hopefully having complete strangers reach out to me and fostering the types of relationships and responses that I got from last week's uh, question from the Cousins Collectibles Boys, from Big John's Collector's Cards, and James Lumen. You are all awesome. Thank you for listening. As always, have a great night. <music>